Heavenly Father, we open your word. Please touch our heart. Help us to listen carefully and live by your power. In your precious name. Amen. Dad, I want to visit South Korea. Uh, that's what I often hear these days. My children don't have many memories of Korea because my eldest daughter was born in Korea but came to Sydney when she was uh, only one and a half years old. And the other three were all born in Australia. Uh, the children have visited Korea just once. And when I started to hear this request, I first thought they were interested in uh, the, their Korean heritage, although my family have become Australian citizens. I was too naive. Each of them has a different reason for wanting to go to Korea. One says, I want to see Korean idols like BTS. So BTS is the leading K-pop idol in the world, and they recently appeared on the Ellen Show in America. Another says, because my friends are all there, and I want to see real snow. I don't know what it meant by all there. And I, what, I, what I see is she's a peer pressure. And another one says, I need to buy a dino character toy which is available only in Korea. He doesn't know about online shopping malls in Korea yet, don't tell him. And sometimes suggest that I go to Korea in order to buy a toy for him. Very expensive trip, so. The last one says, I just want to go. Me too, me too. She simply just echoes her siblings. Don't try to find out who says what. I don't want to release their IDs, even if some of you may have already guessed. Welcome to Epping Presbyterian Church. My name is Young, not Kamar. Kamar is on leave for uh, visitation. And I'm the cross-cultural pastor here at Epping. We are going to conclude our preaching series on the book of Acts today. So now let's turn our, intention, our attention from Korea to Rome and from my keys to Paul. What is it so important for Paul to go to Rome? The trip is not Paul's plan. It's time for Paul to declare his testimony. As you know, Paul's life was turned around. God transformed him from a persecutor of the church to a missionary to the Gentiles. The trip to Rome is all about how the risen Lord Jesus has changed his life, he who was against the gospel. Paul's testimony wasn't solely about his own personal experience. He understood that the mission of Jesus was foretold by the united witness of the Old Testament prophets. And so he also explained how Jesus fulfilled many prophecies in the laws in the Jews on accepted holy book, the law of Moses. We can see 
the way God's word is fulfilled step by step in the life of Paul. Come with me to Acts 23:11. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. And two years earlier, Paul had been arrested on the false charge in Jerusalem. At the time, he had the chance to give his testimony to the whole Jewish Sanhedrin, the highest religious council. Then there was a plot against his life, and so he was moved to Caesarea on the coast. That time, he gave his testimony to Felix, the Roman governor. After two years in prison in Caesarea, the new Roman governor, Festus, brought Paul before King Agrippa so they could hear what he had to say about the risen Lord Jesus. During this investigation, Paul, as a Roman citizen, made his appeal to be held over for the emperor's decision. Have a look at Acts 25, verses 11 12. I appeal to Caesar. You have appealed to Caesar. To Caesar, you will go. Paul's demand for an audience with Caesar was not motivated by a desire for personal justice. Later, those who held him captive said that if he had not appealed to Caesar, he could have been set free. Rather, Paul appealed to Caesar because the gospel had business in Rome. Paul would speak the claims of Christ before the greatest power structures of his day. All these circumstances revealed the gospel purpose God had for Paul's life. In our passage today, Luke describes the thrill of arriving in the state of Rome. Have a look at verse 14, uh, 14 in our chapter. And so we came to Rome. Notice the language here. The emphasis is on the adverb, so. What does that imply? Let me give you an example. When I told you, so my family became ogis, it implies many things happened before that event. Maybe I could start with how my family came to Australia, then how we got through all the process to achieve that. Likewise, for Paul and Luke, it conveys the idea of how risky their journey was from Caesarea to Rome. As we've read a part of the long journey, we can see that there were at least three life-threatening situations, the sea storm, the shipwreck, and the snake bite. Why does Luke give us such vivid detail about this journey starting from Acts 27? It's a very long account. It appears Luke wants to highlight two things. 
First, how far away Rome is. This is shown by the risk of the journey. Rome was viewed as the end of the earth from the land of Israel. Second, that the God is determined that Paul will arrive as his destination. God makes the mission possible by protecting Paul from every danger on the way. Paul reaches Rome, and Paul's arrival there is the climax of Acts. However, when we get to verses 30 and 31, which are the very last verses in the book, we may feel a bit unsettled by the open ending. Luke closes his account in a strange way, which seems to lack resolution. Hey, Paul, what about Paul's testimony in front of the Roman emperor? What about his death? Luke chooses not to tell us about those things. Acts is not a biography of Paul. The key to the book of Acts is that it is very early history that shows the gospel going to the ends of the earth. Instead, Luke concludes with a more glorious reality. The last words written about Paul in the book of Acts are full of jest and energy. Have a look at verse 31. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and thought about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what's going on here. It's a summary of the whole book with the gospel being taken to both Jew and Gentile. Paul has the opportunity to witness boldly about the kingdom of God and the Lord Jesus Christ for two years. As you probably know, the theme of the kingdom of God was at the core of Jesus' earthly ministry and was also a focus of his teaching before he ascended after the resurrection. Luke starts talking about the kingdom of God in the first three verses of Acts, Acts 1-3, and finishes this emphasis in the last verse of the book, Acts 28-31. So the kingdom of God is included throughout Paul's preaching about the risen Lord Jesus. This reminds us of Acts 1-8, which is the key verse that Luke gave at the start of Acts. The verse predicted that through the Holy Spirit, the gospel would be proclaimed to the ends of the earth. Acts ends with that prediction being fulfilled. There's one more thing. Let me draw your attention again to some particular words here. In the original language sentence order, boldly and without hindrance is the very last phrase in Acts. So it's like this. He preached the kingdom of God and thought about the Lord Jesus Christ boldly and without hindrance. The statement of boldly and without hindrance 
is more significant than it looks in English. The focus is on unstoppable preaching about the kingdom of God and the Lord Jesus. The gospel arrived in the heart of the empire and took deep roots. By emphasizing the preaching of the kingdom of God, not emphasizing Paul's death at the end, Luke puts the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus in the midst of the structure of Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. So remember, Luke-Acts is one book of two volumes. In other words, this is a reminder about the unstoppable word of God, which no obstacle, not shipwreck, not poisonous snakes, snakes, not Roman authorities could hinder from reaching the heart of the empire and the hearts of those who dwelled there. It's encouraging, isn't it? Believing no external obstacle is too great for the God who raised Jesus to overcome in saving the world. That's the reason we can now gather here together as new people of God's kingdom. We gather because the world was not stopped and therefore reached us. So let me ask you, through this conclusion to Acts, does the Holy Spirit want to communicate to us something about what we should be doing with the gospel? Does the uproot ending leave us with a challenge and opportunity to allow the Spirit to write the next chapter in the book of Acts today in and through us? Let me give you a specific example. Think about yourself and the people around you here at Epping Presbyterian Church today. We are a part of Acts chapter 29, which the Spirit is continuing to write after Acts 28. As the word of God spreads, the message of Jesus spreads, and everywhere it goes, God is gathering his people. For this mission, the challenge is related to how we might understand the ends of the earth. So Paul came to Rome. Yes. Is Rome the end of the earth? Yes. What about us? What are the ends of the earth for us? From the beginning of the book of Acts, we have seen, we have been focused on geographical boundaries because the gospel spread out from Jerusalem to Judea, then Samaria, then to the ends of the earth. There are two things to consider. First, the ends of the earth are not a single point on the map, but boundaries of the earth from the worldview of the apostles. Luke has already given one example indicating that 
when he talks about Jesus as a greater than King Solomon. So have a look at Luke 11:31. The king of the south will rise at the judgment with the men of his generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom, and now one greater than Solomon is here. Second, the ends of the earth means every nation of the world. We already see how the gospel spreads across the boundary of ethnicity from the story of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. But I don't know whether you may notice it has already started at Pentecost. Have a look at the chart on the screen. They are countries of the pilgrims from every nation in different directions under heaven as described by Luke in Acts 2.5. Now, there was staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. In terms of ethnicity, people from all nations gathered in Jerusalem to hear the wonders of God in their own language. We can see the names of nations in Acts 2, verses 9 to 11. Let me explain a little bit of what's going on here. They are not just random list of nations. We need to understand the worldview of Jews. Have a look at the map on the screen. They thought the earth was a flat square. Also, like many other countries of ancient times, Israel thought her country was the center of the world. So look at the map again. Judea is the center. Luke starts with the countries in east and then moves to the north, then west, then to the south. Have you noticed? It's an anti-clockwise progression. And this means that before the gospel workers have reached the ends of the world, the ends of the world, God has started mission in advance through the Spirit of God. At the Pentecost, the followers of Jesus had heard the people from all these nations declaring the wonders of God in their own tongues. That's where it's all headed. The gospel must continue to be preached to all, Jew and Gentile alike. For that is the nature of the gospel and so also of its mission. Although Paul is called to be an apostle to the Gentiles, the Acts emphasizes the preaching of the kingdom of God through the gospel without distinction between Jews and Gentiles from the beginning to the end. 
So Luke sketches out the final encounters between Paul and the representatives of his own people settled in Rome. Now we can see two kinds of brothers of Paul in the final phrase of Paul's first act in Rome itself. On the one hand, the Christian brothers who support and meet Paul on the way to the walls of Rome, verses 14 and 15. On the other, the Jewish brothers who meet with him in Rome itself, verses 17 and 21. Now, think about what's happening here. With the leading Jewish brothers, we can see two different responses to Paul's testimony. Have a look at verse 24. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. See what? What is contrasted is not the mission to Jew or Gentile, but the different responses from his audience to the one mission. We have already noticed that some Jews are convinced and respond positively to the gospel. And Luke makes clear that all would be welcome to come and hear and accept the message. The Christian and Jewish brothers were like twin siblings of one God, brothers of Paul and so of one another. As the book of Acts finishes up, Paul is encouraged to proclaim the gospel knowing that some will listen and believe and others will still desire to hear the message. Still, there is hope. There is hope that God will bring people from every nation to his kingdom through Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection. What about you? What's your response? If you are not a follower of Jesus, what response do you have about Jesus and the kingdom? If you are a seeker of truth, I pray that Paul's words will lead you to Jesus, the risen Lord. If you think you have the truth, but it is not in Jesus, I pray that you will soon see him as your savior. My brothers and sisters in Christ, as we experience, sometimes followers of Jesus are spoken against everywhere, as Luke reported in verse 22. However, don't assume that Persecution or the times of social ridicule must be times of weakness and fruitlessness for God's kingdom. One thing we have seen in Acts is the beautiful portrayal of relentless growth despite slander, misunderstandings, accusations, and procuration. Have a look at these verses on the screen. In those days, when the numbers of disciples was increasing, 
So the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. The Lord's hands was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Remember, we have experienced similar blessing and growth here through the work of the Holy Spirit during the vacancy this year. Therefore, don't think that difficulty, controversy, or conflict will keep the church from experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit and growth. In fact, the Spirit may move more powerfully in times of difficulty than in times of peace and popularity. Let's wrap up. Friends, how do we move across the boundaries of geography, ethnicity, culture, age, or social status? How do your life goals fit God's purpose of the extension of the kingdom, God's kingdom? The idea of sharing the gospel with the whole world is offensive to many, particularly those in the West. At the same time, it is something that is central to the very words of Jesus. Do you think the mission is possible? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we pray that people of all the world's nations may follow you as God and Savior. Please give us boldness and the courage to share the good news about Jesus and the kingdom of God and to live our lives for Jesus, both in times of constraint and in times of freedom. In the name of this precious Savior, I pray. Amen.